All right. Well, this evening we are not going to be in the book of Exodus. And uh, so a little little short break from that. We did all of chapter 28 in one sitting last time. And uh, chapter 29 is going to take a little while longer to get through. Some interesting things in there that we'll have to slow down and study out. But for tonight, we're going to kind of go to a, just a just a random spot in the Word of God and uh, learn a little lesson from a man, uh, one of those what-not-to-do type lessons. There's plenty of those in the Bible, plenty of those in life. And uh, tonight we'll be talking about heeding, uh, heeding warnings. Today you see warnings all the time, and some of them are pretty comical. Uh, some of them you wonder what the story is behind the reason there's that warning. Um, in, in Bible colleges, sometimes you'll find really weird rules, and you know that there's some kid's name attached to that rule. Some kid is the reason that rule exists. So I had rules in our youth group that there were names attached to them. We never admitted who it was because we didn't want them to feel bad, but you know, because of this kid and what he did, now we have a new rule. Um, I hope, I don't know, I, I probably would take it as a badge of honor if there was ever any rules that were made because of me, but, um, but I know there's been times I've looked at things like, uh, like our stroller that said, that warns you, warning, do not fold while child is strapped in. You'd think this would be common sense. Um, you think this would be, you know, there, there was a hairdryer I saw online today. I was looking up some different things because these are always changing. There was a hairdryer box right on the box that said, do not use while sleeping. I don't know. Apparently, uh, apparently that's an issue sometimes. Um, several chainsaw companies have stickers right on the saw that shows you which end to hold and which end not to hold. If you don't know which end of a chainsaw to hold, you don't belong near a chainsaw. I mean, that's just that's terrible. What do you like? Pull it to start it. Pull on the chain to start it. I mean, it just oh, I can only imagine the oh, and that's not something you want to mess up. Uh, there was an egg carton that had the allergy warning, this product may contain eggs. <laughs> I mean, that's, I've seen that one before in the store, and I saw it again online. It's just, it's the, the strangest things today. Um, car, uh, cardboard sun shields that go in your car block the whole shield. On the back of a lot of them, they say, do not use while driving. <laughs> well, yeah, you can't see. Um, washing machines with warnings, do not put any person inside washer. Uh, I get that, you know, my kids, I caught one kid one time trying to hide in there for hide and seek, but, you know, uh, I would assume before we would, you know, when we go to put clothes in there, that there would be some noise made, or we'd be like, hey, not as many clothes fit in here, and you wouldn't really turn it on with a kid inside, but stranger things have happened, I'm sure. There's there's warnings all over this, this especially in our nation, because it's so lawsuit happy, and, and it's so crazy out there. Uh, they got to warn you about everything. They got to warn you that hot things are hot, that cold things are cold, that sharp things are sharp. Um, I mean, it, it's it's nuts. Um, but there are warnings, of course, that we should heed, and uh, that that maybe aren't as common sense as as we think. But um, but there's some warnings of the word of God and with some examples of people who did or did not heed those warnings. Today we're going to look at a man who refused to heed the warning of God and lost his life because of it. And that man is Ahab. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Help us now as we study it together to learn what you would have us to learn. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 1 Kings chapter 22 is where we're going to find ourselves tonight. 1 Kings 22, and we'll be here back and forth a couple times. So I would, if you have a ribbon in your Bible, maybe it would be a good place to put it. 1 Kings chapter 22. We're going to start in verse number 5. Uh, once I can get there myself. First Kings 22.5, the Bible says, 
And Jehoshaphat said unto the king of Israel, Inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about four hundred men, and said unto them, Shall I go against Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. So here what we have going on is the king of Israel, Ahab, is, is communing with the king of, of Judah, Jehoshaphat, and they're teaming up together to fight against the Syrians, and they're going to go to battle, and, and uh, the, the uh, better of the two kings says, hey, let's, let's find out from God if this is a good idea. And so he brings in, we have Ahab bringing in all his, all his prophets, and, and uh, he, he brings them all in to find out whether they should go or not. Now, on the surface, that sounds pretty good. That sounds like the right thing to do. If you're going to go to battle, you ought to make sure God's with you. First Kings 16.33, though, we find out that um, the Ahab is he's said to have done more to provoke the Lord to anger than anyone before him. So this is not a man that, you know, you can anything he does, you can just take at face value as good uh, because this, this man had such a bad testimony and track record. Now, here he is, he's doing a good thing. He's inquiring of the prophets, but uh, we find that these are his prophets. If you look in, continue in verse 7 and 8, we see here, uh, and Jehoshaphat said, is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we might inquire of him? You wonder, he had to have known something was up. Because how many do you need? They had 400 prophets that all said one thing, and he said, yeah, but is there another one? It's almost like he knew they were just telling the king what he wanted to hear. He said, we need another person in here. Verse 8, the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, by whom we may acquire of the Lord, but I hate him. At least he's honest, right? <laughs> People sometimes pretend like they don't hate Christians or don't hate preachers. This guy at least was honest. He said, I hate him, for he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. So what we find here is that the king of Israel has 400 prophets, but they're his prophets. They're the ones that he likes because, well, they prophesy good concerning him. They don't prophesy evil concerning him. And then there's one man, Micaiah, who is just prophesying what the Lord says to prophesy. He says, uh, you know, he just tells them how it is. Thus saith the Lord. And, and the king doesn't like that. He says, I hate that man. Now, just like Ahab, Christians in America today, we have a lot of choices. When, when looking for a man to speak the word of God to us, if we're looking for a church, church shopping or whatever it may be, or looking online for a sermon to listen to, there's a lot of choices. And so if the pastor preaches against fornication, well, I can just go listen to another one. If the pastor preaches against divorces, well, I'll just go find another preacher. Um, they're, they're just constantly, you, you, there's so many out there, <clears throat> which, you know, it's a good thing to have to have a lot of gospel being preached, but the problem is there's so many false voices mixed in with the true voices. Now, uh, I told you a story before about somebody recently who asked a missionary in Europe uh, what they thought the problem was with American Christianity, and they answered without a moment's notice, or without a moment's hesitation, they answered multiple choice. And, uh, and when they were asked to explain what they meant by that, uh, they said that, they could, that somebody could sit in a church, hear something they don't like, and find another church across the street. They don't have to. They don't have to learn to take rebuke or take teaching or or endure sound doctrine. They can just go and hop from place to place till they find something that suits them. And and I think that even among independent fundamental Baptist churches where the right doctrines are being taught, we can still have this to some degree where uh, you'll have people that jump around from church to church looking for the man to entertain them. There's there's a lot of preachers out there that are very famous in our circles. 
and they're not famous because of how much Bible they know or how much Bible they teach. They're famous because they're entertaining to watch. And that's just the truth of it. And, uh, and some people will say, oh, no, that's not why I like them. Say, okay, tell me one verse from that sermon. Uh, you could say five stories and four poems, but you got one verse in the whole sermon, and it's not even in context. And so even among our own denomination, we got to be careful that we're not just you know hopping around looking for something we like compared to something that's scriptural. That's the thing. Now, nothing wrong with liking the preacher or liking the messages from the Word of God or, or liking the church. That's all well and good. But we ought to like it because it's biblical and correct, not because, well, it just tickles our ears. And so, so that's a problem that we have here in America. If we're not careful today, uh, we can surround ourselves with so-called prophets and never hear what God wants us to hear. We could hear even Bible teaching, but not what God wants us to hear. I believe God has a message for every Christian every time the Bible's open. And, and if you're not in the right place, you won't get the right message. And so we could easily... Uh, we could easily fall guilty of the prophecy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Go ahead and hold your place in 1 Kings. We'll, we'll go ahead and look at that. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I want to point something out to you. I'm sure you've probably noticed this before, but just bring your bring your mind back to it. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 3. We see a, a common passage here, but I just want to point out a detail. In 2 Timothy 4, 3. Actually, let's start in verse number 2. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all longsuffering doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn their, away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Now, did you notice it didn't say that they were going to drop out of church? It didn't say that they were going to stop listening. It said they were going to heap to themselves teachers. They're just the wrong teachers. There's no shortage of Bible teachers out there today when you use that word Bible very loosely. You could, you could go to Google and find a million preachers in this country or a million preachers online you could listen to, but how many of them are actually preaching the Word of God and doing it correctly? Because uh, you can surely misuse the Bible even if you have the right Bible. And so we got to be careful and, and understand, you know, it's not that uh, people are going to necessarily drop out and just turn their back on God. We do see that, but there's a lot of people that will just say, you know what, I'm I'm done with this place and with this preacher and with this Bible version and with these hymns. I'm just going to go down the road and heap to myself a bunch of other teachers because they're just as good. They're just not hateful and bigoted and mean and old-fashioned and all that stuff that we're always called. So, so this prophecy in Second Timothy, it's not just that people are going to fall away, it's that people are going to heap to themselves the wrong teachers. They can be very religious and very faithful people and very, very far from Bible Christianity. Uh, we see that a lot today. Today there's a, kind of been a resurgence even in the news lately about Christian things and about all these so-called so Christian happenings in the nation, and, and almost every single one of them that I've looked into is nothing close to the Bible. Uh, but it's but they're gaining traction and gaining popularity because they're promoting this Jesus of, of America that doesn't exist. This this uh, Jesus that is um, nothing like the Jesus of the Bible. Now, turn with me to another place, Isaiah chapter thirty. Isaiah chapter thirty. This is what uh, essentially what Ahab did and what a lot of people in America do. Isaiah chapter thirty and verse number nine. I, I think it's far easier to witness to a man who's not in church at all 
than it is to witness to a man who's in an unbiblical church and enjoys it. Because, because he doesn't hear preaching about his sin. Anything he does is fine. And, and it's just always, you know, it's uplifting, it's encouraging, whatever it may be. He can go have a beer with the preacher after service, whatever. It's harder to get through to that guy than it is to get through to somebody who's not even in church. Because at least they know they need something. They don't have some false church they're holding on to. Isaiah chapter 30 and verse number 9, the Bible says here um, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, see not. And to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits, get you out of the way, turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. So they didn't tell them don't prophesy. They said don't prophesy right things. They actually asked, deceive us. (laughs) Give us smooth things. Give us the things that that feel good and sound good. And and that that Holy One of Israel stuff, just just let that get, get rid of that. That's what's happening in America today. They want a lot of feel good preaching from a feel good Jesus that doesn't exist in the Word of God. And they have no problem with, with that version of Christianity, but what they have a problem with is the Holy One of Israel. What they have a problem with is Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Son of God, Jesus the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. They don't have a problem with the Jesus that hangs out with them. They have a problem with the Jesus of the Bible. And so we see that happening today in America, and I think it's a warning sign for us as, as Americans and as Christians to, to be careful we know what's coming. Uh, we know what happens when we say, let's get rid of the real God and just fill our minds and our hearts with, with these teachers that we enjoy. Um, I'd rather be in a sermon that I don't enjoy that straightens me out than a sermon that I enjoy and walk away unchanged. Um, there, there have been times when I've gone and heard preachers that I like, and I've enjoyed the message. I've laughed at the jokes, and I've enjoyed the passages, and there's been nothing wrong with it at all. But I walk away saying I enjoyed that message, but it didn't help me. It didn't teach me anything, and and I almost feel gypped sometimes. Like you know, I, it's a good, sometimes encouragement is all that you need, but sometimes I'm like, man, I, you know, from this guy, from this Bible, with this topic, I have just expected more, you know. And sometimes I feel gypped, but um, but I, I think we need to be careful to heed the warning of of that we see from Israel there in, in Isaiah. But back to First Kings chapter twenty two, we see. Uh, this uh, this king he knows he knows the one preacher in town that'll tell him the truth, and uh, he he knows who he is he knows him by name, and he doesn't like him. Verse number verse number nine the Bible says and the king of Israel called an officer and said uh, hasten hither Micaiah the son of Imla and the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat the king of Judah sat each on his throne having put on their robes in a void place in the entrance of the gate of Samaria and all the prophets prophesied before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Jenna, <clears throat> made him horns of iron and said, uh, and he said, Thus saith the Lord, with these shalt thou push the Syrians until thou have consumed them. Now we know from the passage that God never said that. But here this, this false preacher is bringing in object lessons. And he's saying, look at these horns. You're going to push the Syrians. God said, you know, thus saith the Lord. The Lord didn't say that. Verse 12. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the king's hand. And the messenger that was gone to call Micaiah spake unto him, saying, Behold now the words of the prophets declare good unto the king. With one mouth let thy word, I pray thee, be like 
the word of one of them and speak that which is good. Can I remind you, peer pressure isn't just for kids. Adults face it. Pastors face it. Everybody faces it. Here we have 400 preachers preaching one thing, and the messenger says, hey, they're all saying this. Just go with it. And he's going before two kings. But he answers just right. Verse 14, And Micaiah said, As the Lord liveth, what the, <coughs> sorry, what the Lord saith unto me, that will I speak. There you go. That, that's exactly the right thing to answer. No more, no less. Now, uh, we see this, this perfect answer. Verse 15, So he came to the king, and the king said unto him, Micaiah, shall we go unto Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall we forbear? And he answered him, go and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. <laughs> so he said, I'm going to say what the Lord tells me to say. And he says, you know what? Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Verse 16. And the king said unto him, how many times shall I adjure thee that thou tell me nothing but that which is true in the name of the Lord? The king knew he was lying. So think about this. The king has 400 prophets telling him to go. He has one that he knows will tell him the truth. When he comes in and he says go, he knows he's lying. So he knows those other 400 prophets are worthless. He knows they're not speaking from the Lord because he told Micaiah, he said, you're lying. <laughs> he said, the Lord didn't tell you to say that. Verse number, 17, uh, verse number 17, and he said, I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that uh, have not a shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let them return every man to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell thee that he would prophesy no good concerning me but evil? He said, Ha! I told you he was going to say something bad about me. Verse, eight, uh, verse 19, And he said, Hear thou therefore the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who shall persuade Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said on this matter, and another on that said on that matter. And there came forth a spirit, and stood before the Lord, and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said unto him, Wherewith? And he said, I will go forth, and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, Thou shalt persuade him, and prevail also. Go forth and do so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these thy prophets, and the Lord hath spoken evil concerning thee. So he says, You know what? All these men agree, and they agree, I saw the conversation behind the scenes. That's what he's saying. I, I saw the Lord telling this lying spirit, go ahead and, and lie to all these prophets. All these men, they think they have a message from God, but I know it's not from God. I saw it all. Now, what, what happens for the prophet standing there? Verse, verse number 24, But Zedekiah, the son of Chena, uh, went near and smote Micaiah on the cheek and said, Which way went the Spirit of the Lord from me to speak unto thee? He's essentially saying, I heard from God. You didn't hear from God. But we know from the passage, he didn't. He heard from a lying spirit. And he couldn't discern a lying spirit from the Spirit of God. That's a whole other message in itself, I think, for, for that man who claimed to be a prophet and did not know the Lord's voice. Um, that's a, it's a hard thing. Verse 25, Micaiah said, Behold, thou shalt see in that day when thou shalt go into an inner chamber to hide thyself. Now, verse number, um, oops, went too far here. Verse from 26, And the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and carry him back unto Ammon, the governor of the city, and Joash the king's son, and say, Thus saith the king, Put this fellow in the prison, and feed him with the bread of affliction, and water of affliction, until I come in peace. And Micaiah said, If thou return at all in peace, the Lord hath not spoken by me. 
He said, hearken, O people, every one of you. That's, that's a pretty good answer. He says, you know what? Throw him in prison. Make him eat the bread of affliction. Drink the water of affliction till I come back. And he said, you know what? If you come back at all, then I'm not a prophet of God. If you come back at all, the Lord has not spoken by me. Now, he takes the one man whose warning he should listen to and he locks him up. Takes the one man who, whose warning could have saved him and locks him up. One man that's telling him the truth. You, you see, it's, it's interesting to me um, when you look throughout history and you see the persecution, um, you see persecution of the Jews and of the Christians. Um, if, if we were to obey the law of God, we would be the best husbands, the best wives, the best family members. We'd be the best employees. We'd be the best employers. We would be the best citizens if we just obey our Bible. God designed it that way. Christians make the best workers. They make all, you know, Christians, not just, you know, people claim to be Christians, but Bible Christians are, are great people to have in your nation. And yet they're so often persecuted. Well, because the, the caveat with Bible Christians is that we tell the truth that we tell them that there is a God and there is a Savior and there is sin and there is heaven and there is hell. And so there's a lot of people throughout history who said, you know what, I know who's going to tell me the truth from God and I hate him. And even though he tells me the truth from God, I'm going to lock him up. And even though it's going to make me worse off for it, and even though it's going to harm this country for it, I'm going to lock him up instead of letting them turn my heart. You see that all throughout history and here's just one more example of it. Um, now, we won't go there for time's sake, but God's Word um, speaks about those who will do what Ahab's about to do and avoid, try to avoid God's judgment. Um, and people that have false confidence that it won't harm them. Matthew 7, we read about you know those that say, I, I've done all these marvelous works in thy name, and Jesus tells them, depart from me, I never knew you that, that work iniquity. And um, people that think, hey, I, I've got this. I'm not that judgment's coming, but it's not going to hurt me because I'm I'm good. I'm I, I preach in His name and I do this in His name and that in His name. And He said, I, I never knew. Now, in in Ahab's case, he heard this judgment and it it must have hit a chord with him at least to some degree because if you look at verse 29, the Bible says, "So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead, and the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself. Well, why?" I mean, if you don't believe Micaiah, if you don't believe God's prophecy that you're going to die, then why, why are you scared? <laughs> why are you disguising yourself? Enter into the battle, but put thou on thy robes. He's like, I'm going to pretend like I'm just an ordinary guy, but you go ahead and wear all the stuff that's going to make you a target. <laughs> what a friend to have. And the king of Israel disguised himself, went into the battle. Uh, skip down to verse number, uh, verse number 34. And a certain man drew a bow at a venture and smote the king of Israel between the joints of the harness whereof, wherefore he said unto the driver of his chariot, turn thine hand and carry me out of the host for I am wounded. And the battle increased that day and the king was stayed up in his chariot against the Syrians and died at even. And the blood ran out of the, out of the wound and into the midst of the chariot. So Ahab is warned that if you go up there, you're going to die. He goes up anyways. He says, you know what? I'm going to get around this by disguising myself and I'll be fine. Nope. A certain man, a nameless man, at a venture, just saying, hey, I hope this hits a bad guy and not a good guy. <laughs> just whoop, draws his bow back, lets it fly, and it hits the king in the joints between the armor. That's a pretty good precision shot. 
and he dies. You can't escape the judgment of God. You cannot escape the the penalty of sin. I guess you could just go back right to the most important thing, salvation. There, You can't just say, well, when I get to heaven, I think God and I are going to have this conversation and I'm going to convince Him to let me in. Well, that's pretty much what Ahab tried to do. He was warned of what was coming and he said, well, I'll just disguise myself. And guess what? He died. Now, these warnings, you know, we, we know we ought to heed the warnings of God. We see several examples of warnings from God in the Bible. John chapter 3, of course, verse 16 through 18 warns us to, to repent and trust Christ because if we don't, uh, the wrath of God abides on us. And in uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 18, we're told to flee fornication. That's a warning against sin that arms our bodies. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.22, the Bible tells us to flee youthful lust. That's another warning against a sin. In 1 Corinthians 10.2, we're warned uh, not to be overconfident, to take heed lest we fall. You know, if we think we stand, take heed lest we fall. There's a lot of warnings in the Bible. Essentially, every call to righteousness is a warning. Make sure you don't commit this sin because it's going to hurt you. In Galatians 6, 7, the Bible says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. God doesn't just warn us about things that will affect us for eternity. He warns about things that are going to hurt us today. I mean, sin may have pleasure for a season. Some sin, the Bible tells us there's pleasure in sin for a season. But it comes with baggage. It comes with scars. It comes with wounds. And that sin hurts us. And it hurts more than just us. I want you to turn two places in your Bible and then we'll be finished. Joshua 6 and 1 Kings chapter 16. Joshua 6 and 1 Kings 16. This verse in Joshua 6 is what, what led us to this message today. But um, it's the same, same idea. There's warnings given, and they're not heeded, and it, and it hurts us, but, but it doesn't just hurt us. When we ignore the warnings of God and we don't obey the warnings of God, it hurts far more than just us. Joshua chapter 6 and verse number 26. They've just besieged uh, Jericho and the walls have fallen. And, and, and now we come to this point later on where in verse 26 the Bible says, And Joshua adjured them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man, uh, cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn, and his, in his youngest son shall he set up the gates of it. So Joshua makes this prophecy saying, Whoever rebuilds this city, he's going to lose his firstborn and his, and his youngest. He's going to lose his oldest and his youngest child in rebuilding this city. That's kind of an out of the middle of nowhere. That's just kind of a strange, random warning at the end of the passage saying, don't rebuild Jericho. But what do we find in 1 Kings chapter 16 during the rule of Ahab? 1 Kings 16 and verse number 33. The Bible says, And Ahab made a grove... Um, yeah, and Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord of God, uh, the Lord God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. And in his days did Hillel, uh, the Bethelite, build Jericho. He laid the foundation thereof in Abiram, his firstborn, and set up the gates thereof. And his youngest son Segub, according to the word of the Lord, which is, he spake by Joshua the son of Nun. You say, show me some fulfilled prophecies in the Bible. There you go, Joshua to First Kings. You see a fulfilled prophecy. You see a man, you see the whole nation is warned. Don't anybody rebuild this city. And, and it's an Israelite that does it. And it's no surprise he does it during the reign of one of the most wicked kings. It's when, when the leadership of the nation turns so far away from God 
and turns the country away from God, people tend to start thinking, okay, well, I don't have to worry about this warning that God gave. I mean, look at the king. He's not living for God and he hasn't been struck dead yet. Just wait a few chapters. <laughs> and and that you think you think about our nation, you know, you this this slope, and you look at, you know, if you could nail down morality to a graph, which you can't. But if you could say, okay, look at you know dress standards and and how people talked and and the crimes that were committed and all these, if you could look at all of that, and and go from the beginning of our nation, I don't think you see some some long steep thing. I don't think you see some up and down. I think you just see this gradual decline. That the lower it goes, the faster the angle. Just like a slide, you know, the low the further down you get, the faster you go. Because the, the further away from God a people gets, the more they look around and say, hey, we're getting away with it. And, and here this man, maybe that's not what he was thinking, but you see in the rule of a wicked king, this man decides, I'm going to do something God forbade us from doing. And it doesn't take somebody with very much wisdom to look around and see that just in the last, just in my lifetime, just in my lifetime, we've gone from up here on the moral on the moral scale to under the floor and it just keeps diving faster and faster and faster and my worry isn't that we're going to hit the bottom i think we're far below the bottom when it comes to morality my 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 fear is that the resurgence of so-called morality is going to be this false Jesus that is proclaimed and this false christianity and people are going to latch on saying oh look we're turning back to god but it's going to be a wrong god People are going to say, "Isn't it great that people are going, to, you know, going to the movies to see Jesus?" Or, "Isn't it great that people are going and and uh, you know and having all these revivals?" And 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 you say, "Oh yeah, that sounds wonderful." And you look at it and you're like, "Nope, that's not Jesus." And and I fear that the further down we go, you think about what was wrong back in the 1800s, and how holy they revered God as, and how perfect they revered God as, and now because of how far down we've gone. People view God as just this guy. They view God as just one of the boys. They view God as just all oh, the man upstairs. There's no reference anymore because, well, we have become so unholy as a culture that we've dragged God down with us in our minds. And I think uh, I think that's part of the problem that you see here. And when we don't heed warnings, when we don't obey the word of God, when we don't follow the right. It affects our next generation and our next generation, our next generation, and it just gets worse and worse, quicker and quicker. God can still turn things around because He can do all He can do anything. Um, but we we got to be careful that we're not tricked into believing in a God that isn't the God of the Bible just because it's better than what's in the world. It's not hard to be more righteous than the world. The world is pretty bad. Um, not hard to create a, a, a Jesus that is a little bit better than the world, but not the Jesus of the Bible. And so we got to be careful of that. We got to use discernment, like we talked about a few weeks ago. We got to heed the warnings of God uh, because they're there to protect us. As much as we laugh at those warnings, you know, like don't hold this end of the chainsaw, <laughs> they're there to protect you. They, they have to assume that you know nothing, and and so they they're there to protect you and keep you safe. And that's that's what this Bible is. Everything in this book is there to, to help us and protect us and keep us safe and make us more like Christ. And, and so we need to view it that way and treat it that way. And maybe we can get the next generation to believe that as well and maybe turn this thing around. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your warnings. Lord, we are 
so grateful that you warn us about what will hurt us spiritually, physically, financially, so many different things, Lord, you give us uh, truths about. Uh, Lord, every answer is in this Bible, and you've given us these answers, and you've given us many warnings about what happens when we don't abide by this book. And Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, it would be very, uh, very unfair and very difficult if if you had give, made all these rules and not told us what the warnings were, not given us warning not to break them, but you did. Lord, help us to follow your law. Help us to follow uh, the book the best we can and help us to teach others to do so also, Lord, not out of fear, but out of love and, and out of understanding that it is truly what is best for us, what is best for our nation, what is best for generations to come. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Page 59 in your hymn books. We'll sing a couple of verses tonight, page 59. 